This morning, I want to talk to you about who, what, and when that Jesus talked about. Now, this first point of this message, I'm going to spend more time on it than I will any other point. So when I start on it, don't go, oh, no, we're going to sort of a picnic this morning, you know. But the first point is going to be the longest point of all. But this is probably one of the most important and powerful passages of Scripture in the Bible. John Stott, the former British evangelist and theologian that's had so much shaping on evangelical thinking, called this passage the greatest invitation that Jesus ever gave. So let's take a look at it this morning. The Bible says at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Now he's not saying being wise is wrong. He says for those who think themselves as being wise and clever. And for revealing them to the childlike. Now, the old King James Version says to babes. I'd like to be a babe this morning in the presence of the Lord. I don't know anything. And when I use that word babe, I'm not talking about somebody I saw at the beach, okay? I want to be a babe in Christ, okay? So he says, who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing themselves to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My father, now he's talking to his disciples, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. No one truly knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said to everyone, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Heavenly Father, I pray now that Jesus would be revealed afresh and anew, Lord, to every one of us that are here. Just a few moments ago, I thank you that we were in your presence. Just a few moments ago, I ask you to stretch forth your hand. Lord, just a few moments ago, I reminded us that we were singing to him who has been faithful all of our lives. But Jesus, there's so much more to know about you. Lord, there's so much more to experience in you than what we've experienced so I'm praying for an encounter with Christ this morning through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And everyone who desires that said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Woodland is a missions church. When you think about Woodland Church, it's very much of a missions church. I have people who come to me and have told me, over and over again. We love your mission statement. We've adopted your mission statement at our church and our congregation. I had people come up to me this week in Columbus, Ohio at the General Council and identify themselves as a passionate followers of Christ. I had many more walk up to me and go, come on, victory. How are you doing today, you know? But so many who come up and say, I'm a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gave us over 20 years ago, he gave us this vision and this mission. 
But one of the early things that we adopted at our church is we wanted to be a local church with a global vision. We coined a word at that time that nobody was using, and now it's using, and it's called glocal. We, we wanted to be a glocal church, a church that was global but yet local in our emphasis. To be a missions church means simply this, that we want to proclaim Jesus Christ to every tongue, to every tribe, to every nation, in every place, in every community, every city, every nation of the world. We pray that one day God will give us a presence through our missionaries, through ministries, whether they're feeding ministries, clothing ministries, schools or whatever, that God will use us like that around the world because people near and far matter to Jesus Christ. And when we say that Jesus Christ is Lord, say that with me, Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it like you really mean it this morning. Jesus Christ is Lord. When we say that Jesus is Lord, what we're really saying is that God has come down in Jesus Christ and he's revealed himself to us. He has revealed his plan. He has revealed his love. He has revealed his will. He has revealed the life that he wants us to have. When we say that Jesus Christ is Lord, we not only say that God has come down in Christ, but we're also saying that this, that Jesus is the meaning to history. He's the answer to the greatest questions of history and human beings. But we're also saying this, that Jesus Christ is the answer to the meaning of your life, the purpose of your life, and the questions that you have been asking in your life personally. So when we say Jesus is Lord, it's a power-packed, it's an impactful, it's a full sentence. One time I was in an office and some lady asked me one time, she says, what does it mean when you say Jesus is Lord? So I gave her just a little shorter presentation of that and she says, I know that we say that at my church all the time, but nobody has really ever explained what it means to say Jesus is Lord. I talked to her for just a few moments that I had, and I said, well, one of the things when we say that Jesus is the Messiah, that's what Lord means, when Christ is the Messiah, we're saying that God will never lie to me. God will never lie to you. The gospel is good news about what God has done for us in Christ. That's what we mean when we say that Jesus is Lord. Jesus identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life, which kind of encapsulates that statement that I made for you about what it means that Jesus is Lord. This means that biblical faith is very, very positive. Biblical faith is very, very positive. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and <clears throat> asking him to pray with me about some things. And because one of my friends that I love very dearly, anytime the subject of Jesus comes up, he will quickly say, I like the things that Jesus taught, but I, I just cannot accept what you believe, and I have lots of respect for you. I cannot accept that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah. And the reason for that is he has brought into the culture of today, the culture of today has a very negative view of truth. The Bible says, and Jesus says, you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So when we say that Jesus is Lord, we're saying that Jesus is truth, and that the gospel is good news. We have a very positive view of truth. But the wise and the clever, they are content with human philosophy, 
They are content with human wisdom. The childlike or the babes that Jesus spoke about as I prayed this morning, and I hope you agreed with me in prayer, I need the revelation of who Jesus is. I need the Bible. I need the Holy Spirit. And friends, more than anything, we need Jesus this morning. Can you say amen? We need God in his fullness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because we're saying to God, we need you to come down from heaven, show us who you are, what you're like, and reveal yourself to us. Human wisdom is content with reaching up and reaching out through our five senses and through our logic and our philosophy. The childlike or the babes in Christ will say, I can never understand all of these things on my own. But God has come and God has sought me out and God has shown me that Jesus is the Lord. The wise and the clever, so no, no, God has not come down. God has not come down and given us absolute truth. It is bigoted for you to say that Jesus is the way to God. It is bigoted for you to say that Jesus is the way to life because all we have is reaching up and reaching out and our logic and our philosophy. Becky and I have been watching a medical series on television that we stumbled on that we've, I've just become fascinated with. Because one of the main characters in the television series is a psychiatrist. And I've worked with psychiatrists in times past when I worked with mental health. And I find this guy very fascinating because he doesn't believe there's any one revealed truth. And all of the things that he tells people, he's talking about from his own psychological disorders. He's talking about from his own mental health disorders. He's talking to other people, and there is no single truth. And yet, on the contrary of this main character who is very colorful and very entertaining, and, and the guy does a great job with his role, what he believes would never work in the trauma center, what he believes would never work in the emergency room, what he believes would never work in a surgical ward, because there you have to have truth. And one night, we were watching this just recently when our kids were home. We were looking at an episode of this, and all of a sudden, it was like, voila, they have just illustrated what I've been struggling with on the show because an emergency room physician had one doctor telling her this was wrong and another doctor telling her this was wrong with the patient and then another doctor telling her this was wrong with the patient. And so the patient was gradually dying and suffering because the doctors could not come to a consensus. They all disagreed with one another with what was wrong with the patient. And suddenly she had one of those aha moments, you know, and she goes, oh, it's the old elephant illustration. She says, each of these doctors are feeling a different part of the elephant. One is feeling the leg of the elephant and saying, an elephant is like a tree. Another is feeling the trunk of the elephant and saying, an elephant is like a snake. Another is feeling the ear of the elephant and saying, no, an elephant is, is smooth and velvety. She says, but if you back up, you can see the whole elephant. And we made a diagnosis. And the patient was miraculously cured. You see, that's the way the philosophy of the world is today. Because we don't want to accept. Now, this is important. This is an important transitional statement. Those of you may want to write this down. Because we don't want to say there is an absolute truth. Because if there is an absolute truth, if there is an elephant, 
And there's more to an elephant than a trunk or an ear or a leg or a skinny little tail on a great big elephant. Then we have to say there is a revealed body of truth and we submit to that. So therefore, we have a negative view of truth in our culture today. And we say there is no revealed truth. There are no right answers because no one can really know. No one can see the elephant. But I thank God I serve a Lord who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, who spoke the worlds into existence and took his hands and dug out of the soil and created you and I and breathed the breath of life to us. And he loved us so much that even when we sinned, as we looked at last week, he sent Christ to Calvary to die for our sins. And it's good pleasure for him to adopt those that put their faith in him as their sons and daughters. Can you say amen this morning? Hallelujah. Somebody say, come on, victory. I like that. You see, it sounds very savvy. And when I think of that, I can't help but think of Jack Sparrow. It sounds very savvy to say there's no such thing as truth. It sounds very savvy like Pilate, what is truth, as he washed his hands. But in reality, it's very negative. Because what people are saying that say that is that Religions don't know very much. And I recently have had an encounter where I've had to challenge this on a personal level that religions don't know very much. I rejoice in truth whenever I find it. But your negativity that there might be revealed truth your negativity that God has given us once and for all the truth in Christ Jesus and revealed it into the Bible, your denigration of anyone who says that Jesus is the way and the truth, it makes you sound egalitarian, but actually it makes you very exclusive because you can't make that claim unless you are prejudiced enough or bigoted enough to say there's no such thing as an elephant. I've seen an elephant. I played with an elephant. I have even run from an elephant. You see, you can argue with a man that doesn't have a testimony, but when someone has experienced an elephant, they can tell you he's more than a trunk and a tail and a skinny and a skinny little tail and a and a and a ear. You've seen the elephant. However, you can't say that without making an exclusive statement. As I think about this this morning, I think about the culture that I, we're in. I think it's time that believers like yourself and myself understand something. We are not being bigoted when we say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But when others say that we cannot know God and we cannot know truth, that is, in fact, a bigoted statement because you are saying that you know the truth, that there is no truth, when no one can say that. To say that I believe that Jesus is the only way to God is not bigotry. To say that I'm bigoted is to attribute to me, listen, this is important, to say that I believe that Jesus is the only way to God and to call me bigoted is to attribute to me bad motives, is to attribute to me bad character, 
is to say that because I believe that, then I'm exactly a stupid and insincere person because that's what a bigoted person is. When some of my friends who believe that Allah is God and they cannot accept Jesus, I would never call them bigoted because we disagree doesn't mean that they're bigoted. They just see things differently. I pray for them and I share my faith with them, but they're not bigoted. And some of my Jewish friends who say that Jesus, they, they, they like Jesus, but they don't believe he's Messiah, I don't attribute bad motives to them. But I attribute bad motives to people who call themselves Christians and say that the Bible is myth, that Jesus was not born of the Virgin Mary, that Jesus was not a sinless human being, that Jesus died, did not die upon the cross and rise again from the sins. I attribute bad motives to them because they are in effect saying they know more than all the other religious people in the world. And by that, I don't mean to make them angry, but I mean to point out the sheer atrociousness of what they're saying. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. General Douglas MacArthur, I'm reading a book by him, about him by my son recommended to me. MacArthur said, people grow old only by deserting their ideas. Years may wrinkle their skin, but to give up interest wrinkles the soul. Worry, self-doubt, self-distrust, fear, and despair. These are the long, long years that bow the head and turn the growing spirit back to dust. Perhaps this is one of the reasons that so many people in our society are giving up on life because there is no truth and it's all an accident and we can't know anything. So what's the point of living? I listened to a young man this week who took a raft ride down the Colorado River. And as he went down the Colorado River, his guide says, look at it. This, you are surrounded by meaning. And the young man on the whitewater rafting tour says, what do you mean you're surrounded by meaning? He says, listen, this can't have happened by chance. The rivers, the walls, the animals, the vegetation, and the trees. This can have happened by chance. There must be a designer to, re to reject the fact that there was a designer and a God and that somehow or another we with our puny wisdom and our puny logic and our reaching out into an accidental cosmos that has no reason for being that somehow or another we're going to find truth will lead you to despair and lead you to death. But when you know that there was a creator and that Jesus Christ is his name, and he came to set you free from your sins, suddenly everything makes sense. Somebody say amen again this morning. It all begins to come together. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. And I told you the first point would be the longest, so put your lunch back in your pocketbook. God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Say that with me. Unchangeable. Because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Would you change, circle that word unchangeable and circle the word confidence in the, your outline this morning. 
Every year, look at me real closely now, every year that you and I grow in grace, we find God becoming bigger and bigger in His goodness and our understanding of Him. Every year that we grow in grace, every year that we set our hearts on following Him, and as we get older, as we approach those years of our life when we have grandchildren surrounding us and they ask us the great questions of life, we can do what the team's saying this morning. We can look at our children and say, all my life, God has been faithful. All my life, God has been so, so good. Let me tell you about this time in my life when your mother and I couldn't pay the bills. Let me tell you about this time when your grandmother was sick and my grandfa- your grandfather knelt and prayed. Let me tell you about this time when we were seeking God's direction for our life. And you begin to tell your children through their growing up years and their teen years and their college years and as they begin their homes, if God grants us the grace to live that long, suddenly we become mile markers for them. Suddenly we become living stones for them because we are able to help them find their direction because year by year by year by year we grow in grace and we grow in knowledge and one of the keys to being able to tell good stories is to live long and live well. Can you say amen? Pastor Corey asked me one day, he says, Pastor, how do you have so many stories? I said, I'm old. <laughs> you live long enough, you got some stories to tell. Well, It's all really fast from here. So here we go. God's salvation is inclusive. Jesus invites everyone burdened by sin. God's salvation is inclusive. You see, the world today wants to say that you and I are exclusive because we believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and life. Nothing could be further from the truth. Do you realize how inclusive the church is? How many people who are part of the born-again body of Christ, the mortal failures that they have been, the failures in life that they have been, the people who are not proud, the people who are not somehow or another depending upon themselves or depending upon their goodness, they are depending upon the grace of God. Jesus touches the woman who is filled with demonic spirits and he sets her free and makes her part of the body of Christ. Jesus touches the man who says, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinner and invites him into the body of Christ. Jesus touches the man who is hunting down the people that are murdering his followers and calls him to be the apostle to the Gentiles and includes him in the body of Christ. Jesus touches a slave by the name of Luke and he ends up writing the gospel. Jesus touches a coward by the name of John Mark and he ends up giving us the gospel of Mark. Jesus touches a prostitute and changes her life and she's in the lineage of Christ. Friends, the church is not exclusive. The church is the most inclusive organization on the face of the earth. The door is wide open to whosoever will whosoever comes, Jesus Christ offers life this morning. Hallelujah! That's not bigoted. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are precious in His sight. But God always has hidden Himself 
God has always hidden himself in thick and unapproachable darkness to those who think somehow or another they are wiser and more clever and they figure out ways of manipulating God. Jesus prayed, if you will look with me now at Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, he says, Lord, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding those things, these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, for revealing them to the childlike. Now, here's the win. Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Read that with me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you were to say to me today, come to my house for dinner, I'd say now. If you were to say to me, come to my house uh, in two weeks from now, I'd say, okay, send me a text to remind me because I'll tend to forget it if you don't remind me. If you say to me, says, oh, pastor, we want you to come in a, in a month from now. Send me a text and better send me a reminder too or I'll forget it. Do you, you see what I'm saying? But if you say, come to my house for dinner, I'm going to go now. And you're going to go, yes, I have fried the best chicken you have ever had in your life. And we're going to have banana pudding with egg meringue topping on it. I know you want me to come because you have just identified the two favorite foods of heaven. Can I get a witness right there? You have just identified what's going to be at the marriage supper of the fried chicken. He says, I, and look at what he says, and I will give you rest. God will make you, he'll give you rest from your works. He'll give you rest from your fears. He'll give you rest from your worries. He'll give you rest from your stress. He will give you rest. Many of us here, you've read the Bible with me through in a year, and we've used a calendar done by Robert Murray McShane. Robert Murray McShane, to those of you who've used it, I've told you a little bit about his life. For those of you who have never read the Bible with me through in a year, you know that he was only 30 years old when he, was, when he died. And while he was on his deathbed, he said to one of his friends, he says, God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride. Alas, I killed the horse and now I cannot deliver the message. What was he saying? I didn't take care of my health, and now I can't continue to deliver the message. God will never call you to a place where you have to destroy yourself. You may, like some, give your life as a martyr, but in so doing, you will do it as a witness for Christ, but not because you failed to take care of yourself, or God failed to take care of you. In first John, excuse me, in John chapter one and verse four, the Bible says that Christ's life brought light to everyone. Is light? Light is understanding. Light is illumination. When? Well, John 1, 12, 13 makes that clear. When and how? To all who believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now, now let me be clear. Jesus says that the wise and the clever, they are blind. They are blind guides leading the blind. 
They are the ones who refuse to see the elephant, and so they say, no, he's a leg. No, he's a skinny little tail. No, this is swatch. They don't see the whole elephant. And they're not going to be let off the hook because they said they couldn't see. If you've been going through the book of Mark with me on midweek before we stop for the summer, then you're already familiar with this passage. Look next to what the scripture says. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazan and Bethsaida, for the miracles I did at you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon. Their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their head to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. And you people of Capernaum, Will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of, de of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. There are just a few things I want you to see quickly why this matters and truth is not bigoted. Number one, Jesus is saying there will be a judgment Number two, he is saying there are degrees of punishment in hell. Number three, the worst of all sin is unbelief. We looked at that last week. The source of sin is the unbelief. The world is judged because it does not believe in me. God's judgment is based upon his omniscience. And what do you mean by that? He knew Tyre and Sidon. He knew Sodom. But he also knew the hearts of the people. He knew the hearts of those in Chorazan and Bethsaida and Capernaum. But finally what you see is God is merciful to all who believe. God is a merciful God. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell them that. God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God. So in closing this morning... What I want you to remember and what I want you to remember to share with your friends and what I share with my friends because I love them. Look at me. I don't think a one of my friends, because I've asked them, would tell you I am bigoted because I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But when a so-called Christian says that is bigoted, something is happening in the church where we have lost confidence in the Word of God and in the revelation of who Jesus says He is, and we're listening to the culture more than we're listening to Christ. And the call of the church is not to follow the culture. The call of the church is to say to the culture, come to the cross. Does that make sense? Come to the cross. And out of one of my friends has said, no, it's not bigoted. I just, I just don't agree with that. But you know what? I tell them what I'm going to tell you now. God wants a personal relationship with you. God wants a personal relationship with me. The Bible says that Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. And this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. And No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. And I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. 
Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And when I've read this very passage from the message to my lost friends, some I've seen their eyes miss, some I've seen their, their mouths drop open, because for them, Christianity was what their religion is. It's a religion of do's and don'ts and rules. Following Jesus' relationship, we know him. We sang to him. We gave to him. We talked to him. We remembered his commandment to receive the communion. We are studying his word together. And my prayer is that right now that God is speaking to some of your hearts. And here's what he offers you in that passage. He offers you peace, shalom, the peace of God that passes understanding he says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. One of my Muslim friends said, we can never know whether we have peace with Allah or not. We can never know that. He also gives to us rest. He gives us rest from that trying to make ourselves good enough. Hopefully, I'll be good enough. He gives us rest from that snarkiness that says, well, if God doesn't want me like I am, I want nothing to do with God. God wants you just like you are. But God will change your life. And that's what repentance is about. It means to turn around, to turn around. And I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. Becky and I just recently were invited to be a part of a Shabbat dinner with some Messianic Christians. Oh, wow. What an experience. What an experience. The reading of the verses, the ceasing of work, the rejoicing in the presence of God, the singing one of the Jewish believers, followers of Jesus Christ said, you know, we live in such a harried, workaholic world. He said, people talk about stress now more than ever. And he says, yet God gave us a gift. And I, listen, he said, God didn't give us nine commandments. He gave us 10 commandments to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy to rest on the Sabbath we recognize we can't save ourselves we are just babes Lord save us this week I held little Callan Warda in my arms he snuggled up so close that's Pastor Mark and Kyra's grandson his mom and dad taking such good care of him earlier in the week I, I held another baby that somebody asked me to hold and all of a sudden, that baby started sucking on my neck. I thought I was going to get a hickey, you know. He's just sucking on my neck. And I was like, what do I do, you know? And I'm finally, the dad noticed. He says, oh, you don't have what he needs. And he took the baby away and gave it to his mama. You see, a baby needs to be cared for, needs to be provided for. I'm a babe in Jesus. There's so much more to learn. He says, I will give you guidance. 
Each and every day he leads the humble in doing right and teaching them his way. Psalms 25, 9 says, he gives us purpose. When I was told that I wouldn't live, when I was told over and over I wouldn't live, God gave me purpose. And, and when he first gave it to me, I just like, surely not me. And yet all these years later, I sing it with Becky, all my life you have been faithful. He gives you purpose. You live for him, and your life has meaning, for we are God's masterpiece. I don't know if you saw it, but I posted it in front of Facebook this, on Facebook this week, but there was a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger doing this, you know? And I took my phone and said, take a picture of me in front of Arnold's. And I posed just like Arnold did, the before and after. I'm looking at that, and what a masterpiece of a physical body that was, and what a masterpiece that statue was or sculpture, whatever you call it, showing every muscle and every rib. And I kept my clothes on just because I didn't want to embarrass Arnold, but it just a masterpiece. That's what God says your life is. He makes you a masterpiece, a song, a poetry, a life, that when he's finished with you, you are a masterpiece, for he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He said, Pastor Clinton, I believe it. I don't know how I believe it, but right now something's happening in my heart. I believe that. That's the Holy Spirit. God's wanting to give you life. You say, how? Well, God tells you how. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Would you stand with me all over the building? And those of you watching at home online or listening to your car, would you just listen carefully? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I hope that you see that's not a bigoted statement. I hope that you see that that is the most inclusive statement at all. If you, anyone else that you know, will openly declare that Jesus is Lord. I hope that you will see the inclusivity of this truth, that God sees the whole elephant, the whole world. And it's by believing in him that you are made right. And I hope that you see the win of right now that if you openly declare your faith, if you say right now to Jesus Christ, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I don't mean you've got to rush out the door and go tell somebody. Eventually, you'll want to tell somebody. But if you will openly declare right now, Jesus is Lord. He will forgive you of your sins. He will make you a new creation. And he will take your mess and make it a masterpiece. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? So, Heavenly Father, I pray right now. I pray that for your people, you will touch us with courage and strength. And that we will see just how inclusive the truth of God is. We'll see how inclusive the invitation of God is. That we'll see 
who Jesus really revealed a father who delights in giving good gifts to his children and even blesses the wicked who deny him. I pray, Father, that you will help us this morning to see what it is that you have revealed. You have revealed truth. You have revealed life. And you have revealed yourself most of all. We can know what God is like through Christ in your word. And I pray that you'll help us to see that the win is now. Now is the day of salvation. And if you're ready to cross the line and put your faith in Jesus, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to show me who you are. And thank you for right now, the faith that you have put into my heart. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as much as I know how, I commit my heart and life to him. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Honey, could we do something just in a minute or two? Could we sing He is Lord together before we go? Okay, you're going to have to start us because I'm afraid I'll start us in the crack. He is Lord. Let's sing it together. He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He is risen from the dead. And He is towards heaven and just sing it to him right now. He is Lord. Sing that again. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. He has risen from the dead. And he is. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Every knee shall bow every tongue come that Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is Lord now it's my prayer that God's face will shine upon you and that you will experience a rejuvenating embrace from the Lord today. It's my prayer further that you will find rest and restoration for your spirit and your soul as you leave this place because he smiles upon you. Further, it's my prayer that when you go out of this place, you will go out with a confidence to share the good news of who Jesus is knowing it is the most loving, it is the most kind, it is the most inclusive statement you could ever make to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. God bless you. Go in peace this morning.